0: water's the king mate water's the king aye I managed to get this to the before If you f- it. found that you're taking in more water oh aye because you're fasting it, it, it is a pure appetite suppressant as well aye it's,
1: I need to dial the thing a wee bit after changing because you know, I was doing 12-8 as my like on period right. and that was fine when I was working the day shift whereas like now I'm doing like the last four weeks it's been like 10-9 so the last it's four days a week for the last two weeks it's been 10-9 so like right. 12 o'clock comes round, and I'm not getting my lunch till like 3, and I'm like, right, okay, so I'm going to need to like maybe shift the wind to like maybe 10 to 6 or like 11 to 7 or something, uh, I find what works for you. after four weeks, the first four weeks are 10 to 9, and then they move to this new role where I'll largely be 12 to 9, like Monday, or five days or seven sort of thing, right. and then a month later they move to this office next to the house sort of thing, so... It's one of the ones where I probably need to change it the new, and then change it again, sort of thing, as the, as the shift pattern changes, sort of thing, just to make sure that I'm getting the best of it. Because the minute I'm in that other office, I'm going to be walking home. But I've been walking home for like, half of my cloud, but it's like four and a the half they're in. Let's see, i found, like, trying to get the energy to, like, walk home through like, basically here, the office is, like, the other side of fucking... Tats' Charing place. Cross? Aye. Um, Aye, 10 hour shift, 11 hour shift, and try to walk came at night. Aye, try to walk came at night, and I'm like, just, no, I just don't have the right, energy right. for that. You know. It'll be fine once I adapt to the shifts and everything, but this is the thing, by the time my body adapts to the shifts, the shift pattern changes in. <laughs> you know what I mean? and in. Absolutely, mate.
0: I think that's, I mean, we'll just fucking, I'll, I'll edit in somewhere here, but I think that's an, an important sort of thing for people, is, is that there's there's almost like this sort of like idealistic ideas, and one of them is, you know, you should work out in the afternoon, and that's when you're at your optimum and that just doesn't work for me, especially when I was working. Because what I used to find was is that five, six o'clock at night, I'm not I'm not going to the gym. No. Like if I get up and date first thing, good. If and when I was working 95, I used to and I was the manager, so it was good that you could do this. I would take my lunch at eleven and I would take an hour and a half because I would have an hour and a half hour break. And right. I would go to the gym quickly and go back. That really worked for me. But see when I tried today, the five, six o'clock, I would I would walk down, get to the corner of the gym and just all the excuses would just be like, nah, <laughs> nah, nah nah And you've got every excuse in the world. I've been working all day, I'm tired, you know, whatever you've all the hurdles you've had to face all day. I am I'm, I'm no break my fast till six o'clock. I'm you know, empty Aye. stomach whatever. so I just see like stuff where it's like oh you should try and do it like this it's like aye that's great if you've got all the money and you don't need to fucking work and your routine's your number one priority in your life but on the routine stuff i mean as you as you know um and i I don't think i've posted anything on socials it's been a rough sort of couple of weeks for me and for you know close family and had like a sort of big death in the family and i think um I'm actually like feeling really positive because what I've managed today this time, I mean, it's I think grief's one of the huge things that you face in your life. Aye. I don't think it can be like downplayed. Um but I've managed to like pull the levers. And what I mean by that is is that I've like to I decided I'm gonna go to the gym, but I'm not gonna like track it because okay. I don't I can of push myself the now. Like what's important to me right now is rest. Mm-hmm. So getting up at like 7 in the morning, like nah, no setting alarms, making okay. sure that I get enough sleep. I had three, or f- well four out of the last four weeks, but three clients graduate their CBT and I was just like, right, I'm not going to take on anybody at least for a couple of weeks. And I cool. actually feel really like as much as it's been a hard time and I've been doing in my mood, yeah, I actually feel like I've pulled the levers really well and sort of like managed mm-hmm. myself probably the best that I've ever managed to do it. <laughs> You know, like, Aye. I think it's very easy for you to put pressure on yourself to keep keep going and, oh, well, you did, your, it's like, when these big events come into your life, it's such a drain. It takes yeah. away, like, 75% of the energy that you've got, and if that 25% needs to be used to get to work <laughs> and pay the bills, then that other 75% I need to rest. Of course. So I've been really, like, happy with that, really, through, like, an adverse sort of... Uh, it's, period, no, you know? it's no, it's no your normal at all, is it? You know what I mean? Like, no, usually what I would do is, is I would put my foot in the gas.
1: Aye, I, I don't. You don't spend a lot of time stoning still.
0: So that I think is a, a bit of a, an error or an eye opener, and I think that if you have like things that you can put your foot in the gas, like you know redundancies or whatever mm-hmm. the other things that I faced, that's great. But I think that this time, I think it was like three, two or three days in, I was like. I kind of keep going like this. I'm going to burn myself out. And yep. I, I think that just, it's kind of like all the training and all the mental health stuff that have been doing. I said this last year when it came to COVID. It's like, um, this is your chance to sort of flex your muscles in a way when you get these. Yep. Bang- and I think that um, I don't, I've no flexed it. I think I suppose it's like I sort of tame myself. And it just gives you confidence going forward. You sort of get that idea in your head of, fuck, I can really do anything now. Whereas, you know, two years ago, I would have been like, fuck, you know, I don't know what this is going to mean. This is like uncertainty. And now I think that um, I can kind of do anything in in that regard. I just need to be really aware and know what are the things that I need to prioritise and the things that I can scale back. And one of them's been like diet and exercise. Mm -hmm. Um, But as I'm, Coming out the other side, I'm starting to ramp them back up, and but
1: good. feeling really good about it rather
0: aye, than being like, "Oh fuck, this here is we a go, chore day.
1: This is a this is a task that I need today because if I don't, I'll feel like shit and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff." Aye. Like, I giving yourself a bit of permission to like mix it up is definitely useful. You know what I mean? Like, um, we've had this conversation a few times, or you know, similar to it, both you know, on air and off air, sort of thing. And like, I've been in a weird transitional period as well, and I think it's probably why maybe. As I say, I was saying the other day on social media, like, um, we went for like about a week to maybe like once a fortnight or something like that. And, like, Mm -hmm. I think in the past that's something that would have have made me a wee bit anxious, a wee bit angsty, and you know, no necessarily having anybody lined up and all this kind of stuff. Because usually we've got folk, at least if we've no booked them, we've got you know, we've had the conversation, we've got like names lined up, and you know, a plan for when they're coming in, and all that kind of stuff. And, like, I that's not really happened in the last few weeks either for for Baithias, and like, again. Because of the transition I've been going through, like, uh, you know, I'd alluded to it in, you know, the episodes with Jubemi, with Halina, um, as we were talking sort of mental health, I was having a, a sort of pretty rough time, um, you know, obviously um, had to go back on medication, mm-hmm. um, we had a wee chat on one of the, the short episodes we had about therapy, I've engaged a therapist, um, and I've also recently joined like one of the sort of men's, Sort of talking groups, peer-to-peer sort of support groups Right um, We've had a number of them in on the show I've always, well, well I know we've both always sort of valued the work that they do mm-hmm. um, And I just thought, you know what, let's get a try What's, What have I got to lose here sort of thing So um, that was at a time where probably I was in the process Just sort of bottoming out a wee bit And mm-hmm. um, the last couple of weeks have been a real lesson In how sort of quickly it can turn the Um mm-hmm. And I taking an action and all oh, that is great, but at the same time, for you, you're fit, it's almost more like we've had a role reversal where I'm on the front foot and usually I'm the one that's kind of like just it's got cool. It'll work itself out, and you know usually you're the one after it, and you're the one that's like no, I've had a, I'm enjoying that wee bit of time that I've had. Um, so it's, it's a nice wee bit of role reversal there. But um, I taking the action that I've taken in the recent weeks has actually led to like you know I've, I've started the fasting as we're saying. Um, but I, I've, you know, recently changed jobs. So I was, I'm not going to name, obviously, previous employers or, you know, sort of bitch anybody out. But mm-hmm. I was pretty unhappy in my previous job um, for a, a number of reasons. Um, and I, I was dying to get back into call centres. And I managed to find a place that is in the process of building up and has a lot of time for us. And I, in a matter of, like, four weeks, I've went through being, like, fuck, I need to go back onto my meds to, like... I'm having an adult conversation with a qualified person about what's going on. Mm -hmm. I'm, you know, engaged with a peer-to-peer support group where, you know, I've not actually managed to make it every week with a job change. But even just actually knowing that there's other folk there that are going through what I'm going through um, and when we're having those conversations like that's been something that's been like extremely reassuring. Um, mm. Because it is like when you're having a shit time, it's easy to feel like you're on your own. Absolutely, um, mate. Absolutely. So, I mean, I think I'm kind of like on the upswing now. Um, uh-huh. Similar to yourself, but in, in a sort of different way, where I haven't been on the path before. You know, I always know how to dig myself back out, but I feel like I've done it sort of more effectively this time right, than because uh-huh. I've always done it or tried to work shit out for myself. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, mm-hmm. And then yeah, you can only get yourself so far. I like think I said that in the shot that, you know, there's only so much you can do yourself. You know what I mean? Like, and we always say ask for help, ask for help, but uh, there's something I was not really actually doing. So uh-huh. having taken those steps now, like, I feel like infinitely better and I know that these things are now there at my disposal when and as when I need them. And uh-huh. it's ironic that having them there has made me feel Less dependent on them, even in a short space of time. Uh-huh. You know what I mean. Uh, like, yeah, absolutely mate. They absolutely. felt like an answer, like five, six weeks ago. This is uh-huh. this will be the answer. This will be the answer. And now, sort of, whatever a month or so later, it's more like, "Aye, these are extremely helpful." Like, the, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I'm comfortable on my end as well. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I know, know I know, I've got these things I can reach out to, and it takes, it's taken a lot of the pressure off me. Like, I, I, my head has been clearer in the last two to three weeks than it's been in fucking years mm. like where i had a wee moment the other week where i actually just woke up like an hour early from before my starting my new job and i had that like sensation that i had that anxiousness that i had when i was in my old job where i was like fucking need to get up and mm-hmm. can i take 10 million minutes before i need to get up and get the bus and all these other things and I had that in the new job and I had that moment where I actually had, like interrupted it, was able to just go, This is nonsense. Like this isn't na- this isn't valid anymore, Like fuck off. Uh-huh, you know what I mean? I actually, absolutely. like spot that chain of thought, that, you know, thing that's inside me that's like, as you say, ramping the noise up and now I can actually like almost like push it to one side and be like, no, like that's you're you're irrelevant here. Fuck yeah, off. Mate, you know what I mean? Like so I've been kind of as I say, on the upswing myself. Absolutely, mate. And moments
0: like that, which I would, you know, say to somebody that was in therapy with me, that that's a breakthrough. That's a real huge breakthrough moment, the moment that you see your attitude before you start to act on it and you can correct it. And I think that, I mean, honestly, mate, I, I couldn't be happier to hear you say that and I couldn't be prouder to hear you say that you've actually, like change the way that you're tackling it because mm-hmm. it's almost like the whole you know the cliche about the whole Einstein thing and the definition of insanity is doing the same thing air and again and expecting a different outcome but um to hear you say that that the, the speaking to a therapist and the peer-to-peer support it isn't necessarily like you say the answer to your problems but it gives you that sort of comfort that if you need support yep. it's there for you um is, is that the only difference that you've noticed? Is that you can sort of see the way that you're sort of thinking about stuff? Is I mean, it's still quite early. I mean, one of the things
1: I'm trying to, you know, combat as part of it is my cynicism and sort of negativity. Because mm-hmm. obviously there's, you know, plenty of times here when we get into <laughs> politics and the, the rest mate, both it, uh, Where, like, sure. the cynicism is almost, you know, semi-sarcastic. But at the same time, it is also, I kind of... No instant reaction a lot of the time in everyday life, but I tend to be, like, downside first, and then we see what comes at the end of it. So Uh I've been doing a lot of work on just trying to be more mindful of, like, positives on a day-to-day basis. Right. Um, Then like, gratitude and stuff like that. Aye. Also, like, notions of, like, service and stuff like that, which I picked up at the men's group, which was something I really liked, you know what I mean, like making sure that if anybody needs it and I can, you know, volunteer myself or neighbours cut the grass or whatever, stuff that I, uh, six months ago or six weeks ago even I'd have been like, fuck, you know, this wee old wifey next door wants me to go and cut her grass or their d- hedge or whatever it is, whereas now I'm like, right, okay, this is an opportunity to, like, date something for somebody that's actually not going to cost me anything to take me, like, an hour on a day that I'm off. So, uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, so, like, wee things like that. Um, but no, at the, at the minute, it's more about just the thought process, like... Mm-hmm. Um, As I say, you know, I'd got quite good at digging myself out because I'd, you know, sort of fell in the hole enough times. But at the same time, I was never able to, like, stoke myself on back in the hole again. Um, And I'm not saying that I've done that now. It's not like I'm magically cured or anything like that. It's just, I feel there's, like, a framework now that I understand on a sort of, um, like, logical basis. You know what I mean? Like um, Been doing a bit of reading and stuff like that. But it's just been, like... Probably the main one is if this is something that I think is going to make me uncomfortable, like, at least go and try and do it. Whereas in before I'd have been like, as you say, the excuses and all that kind of mm-hmm. shit sort of thing, you know what I mean? So, I Diving into the new job with Two Horns has been like the first one. Uh-huh. Um, people are lovely and like, I think there's a lot of opportunity there and it's back in an environment that I want to be in. So like, that's like all big positives. Whereas I think when I started the last job, I was kind of like, hmm, okay, you know. Just tuck in you know we we mean having the family and that the priority since getting involved with Stacey and the Wayne was always make sure there's a roof over and or the rest of it and none of the rest of it really matters. Comes feel like that older generation sort of parental thing where it was like they didn't they have ambitions in terms of jobs and stuff like that. It was just about Making putting a roof over the and keeping on, you know, keeping food on the table and Absolutely. that's always been the bare minimum. Whereas like I'm back in a heat space now where I actually can you know, there is opportunity, there is Wiggle room, there is space and all these types for of sure, things. Mate, so,
0: aye. for sure. I mean, there's that whole cliche about the growth mindset, but see when you realize that it's a game of inches, <laughs> as in the sense that, like, um, and I'll, I'll use a real example, you know, I don't think that um, the, the client I'm going to talk about would really mind, but I won't mention any names that, you know, we got like six, seven sessions in and, and they were like, to me, like, I don't really. They had a, a specific circumstance in their life that they needed support with, and yep. it, it went by, mm-hmm. and it was almost like that moment where it's like I'm fine now, mm-hmm. Um and I, I'm every week I'll say to people, "Do you, do you want to come back next week?" It's giving them that option, and they were like, "I don't, I don't really think you know that I want to come back," and so I did a thing called relapse training. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that in a second because I think it's really, uh it's really effective for trying not to fall back into the holes. Yep, but. Um, they were like, other than the thing that you've supported, maybe, and thanks for that. I don't really see what we've done, and I was kind of like, well, let's talk about that. You mm-hmm. know, like I would love to. If we've not done anything, I would like to know. Yeah. First of all, because I want to know how effective this is. We got like an hour later, and they were like, you know what, we've done so much work, mm-hmm. and it's because as mm-hmm. it, it, a gamer, and she's like, your mental health isn't going to just change overnight because Aye. you go and you engage with somebody, and I think you're at that three-week mark where... And I know that you're not going to do this just based on this conversation Mm. where people take their foot off the gas and they'll maybe allow themselves, I'll no fast today, and maybe this is the point now where I can start to do these things and blah, blah, blah. Or let's not go to see the therapist this week, I'll skip a week. What I would say is is that sort of three-week mark, it's like, see where you are in six weeks and and get that sort of two, three months in alignment. You know what I mean? This is something I was
1: wary because... I have had that cycle in the past where maybe no it's three week mark, but, you know, within three to six months, I'm back on the downslope slope and these types of things. So mm-hmm. one of the big things was making sure that I still kept up with like, the peer to peer group when on nights or weeks when I was feeling all right. And actually, you know, one of the things I really felt about that group when I went there the first time was a level of sort of kinship with people that I'd literally sort of never met in my life Uh Um, and those sort of open and honest direct conversations that you're kind of no force to have because if you want to go and say nothing you can go and say nothing you know what I mean but when you see the other people sharing you're in you you trust that you're in a safe space and that you can do that as well Mm -hmm. Um, and I found myself gone a couple of weeks just because maybe somebody else needed to hear that it can be all right again. That you can improve, and like it was good for me. To even go well. You know, I don't need this tonight, but like maybe somebody needs to hear what I've got to say. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like so, that's definitely part of the no sliding back. Because I think a year ago, I'd have went to a couple of weeks. My meds would have settled. I'd have got a new job, and I'd have been like, "Cool, man. We're on a we're on a level keel again. Mm-hmm. Like we can get back to normal." And I think that was always my mistake. You know, as I say, that's now I'm it's like do you know what. the work needs to be kept
0: up absolutely that's what what I'm talking about it's like that sort of two three week mark where if somebody was to to say how do I pinpoint where I've made the choice that's ended up six months later that I'm back in this hole it's like at that three week mark it's like almost this euphoric feeling of I feel good again sort of there's a wee tidal wave that comes with that and then that can sweep you along mm-hmm. for like six to eight weeks and then you start to, yep. and that game and she starts to go back. And I make the analogy of like people say it takes you six months to build a certain level of fitness and it'll go away in six weeks. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's an exact science. It's more an analogy yeah. that people find rings true. And I use that same one. If you, the work that you can do in a sort of six month period positively on your mental health can be undone in a sort of two, three month period oh, and half the time because that's what we're used to. That's the muscle memory kicks back in, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, but um I mean I, I I mean, I'm gonna be honest, this is the best you've looked. Aye. Even just like your skin and everything, like this aye. is the best you've looked in in a long time. And um I don't think there's any coincidence between that and you're feeling this sort of positive wave. So aye, mate, I'm i super happy to see you there. You know what aye, I mean? It makes a difference for being a miserable fucking cunt
1: all the time, <laughs> doesn't <laughs> it? You know? Even if the positivity
0: lasts for like half an hour a day. That
1: wee cynicism, just get back in there. Uh, um, but um,
0: I mean, we'll, we'll, I'm sure we've got Hunters to cover um, and I've got a wee sort of note in mine stuff that I wanted to cover. But I think the first thing that I really wanted to sort of talk I've about... I've got no notes. I'm going jazz this week. We're going free cool. form. Cool. I mean, I think that takes a level up. <laughs> mental stability in itself <laughs> not if you're anxious enough but um i, I don't really know where, where to start but i think the one that i would really like to start with is the drug deaths in scotland that we've seen sort of during the weekend yes. we would be i mean the amount of things that we speak about in sort of glasgow centric and scotland centric i think would be very very nose blind not to talk about what the the latest results yeah um and it's it, groundhog day again It kind of feels like it, doesn't it? It does. But it also kind of feels to me in a certain respect like these sort of statistical outcomes, which are horrific, Mm -hmm. are um, an indicator of bigger issues that aren't just the SNP and aren't just Scotland. um, In the sense that this, if if we were to actually, if I was to think about it, in a more wider sense, this drug and this drug death pandemic started in America. Mm. It didn't start here. Uh, the the, I mean, the opioid crisis, the and opioid stuff
1: crisis up. and stuff. Probably go all the way back to things like crack and no, the rest of it as well. I, and I you.
0: think that's exactly what I was going to say. You know, <clears throat> when I was thinking about it, um, I don't think these deaths have really went away since the eighties and nineties, and when heroin really like ripped the heart out of the working class communities in Scotland, especially mm-hmm. Western Scotland. And I think that, um, I I don't know much about it, but I do think that this has been used as a tool in the sense that what difference is any political entity gonna make in a 12-month period, especially when the changes that they tried to make happened like six months ago. Mm. Feels like one report came out in 2020 and it was bad enough and twenty nine, it was it was for year 2018-2019 yeah. and then this new report's come out for year 2019-2020 mm-hmm. um and people are using it as a way to go well SMP bad and look at it. but yeah. at the same time a parallel report has come out about Northern Ireland, Wales, and England yep. that shows the same rise. So this feels to me like an indicator of a bigger thing. Mm-hmm. And I think my personal opinion on it, and I suppose we will we'll put, we'll put it to you after I say this, is that the communities and the, the last time we've seen this level as sort a, of, uh, well, like death, In this sense, we go back to the 80s and early 90s, and it was another Tory government. And I suppose people be like, well, you're saying like Tory bad, SNP good. I'm not saying that. No. The SNP need to take a look at this. There's a shoulder of blame for everybody. Absolutely. Absolutely. But we also need to not just be like, this means that this is bad here. The Western world is seeing this happening across the board. Mm. Suicide is up across the board. Drug deaths are up across the board. And I think it's an indicator of austerity. And I can't get away from that, personally. You know what I mean?
1: I mean, the heroin epidemics and, you know, things that we talk about coincided with, you know... Wholesale destruction of like British industry
0: um, for you know sort of profiteering whatever 20, 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. We just had this week. had the Prime Minister sort of laugh at it and say that they, they did. That was when the UK had the biggest impact on climate change. Was when they shut the coal mines and, and yeah, we were
1: preparing it, for stopping the climate emergency. What a of
0: fucking shit that but was. He's you know not mean? talking
1: to us. It doesn't. It, it doesn't have to talk to us. He can talk to the twenty six percent of fucking little Englanders that vote him in and mm-hmm. win a 90-seat majority. So mm-hmm. people that think that Boris Johnson is coming up here to do anything but talk to his base and to come up here and talk to his base is to come up here and fucking insult us and patronise mm-hmm. us because that's what got him where he is. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. There's no new thing he's done it his entire fucking career. You know what I mean? Like, As of a number of his cronies. I, I kind of brushed it off. It's just, I, you know, I can't take anything that that guy does or says particularly seriously at this point because... There's an ulterior motive behind all of it and this was another example of it. But the point about drug deaths and stuff like that is it's a complex one. Like, I, as I get what you're saying where we go, it's been twelve months. We had Bob in, um, Bob Doris, and he was very like passionate about putting this right and and I and I, I still believe him even in, you know, the face of this year's results. Um, the two hundred and fifty million over five years is a huge amount of money. But like when we had um Cisco and mm-hmm. Natalie um, I mean she Scoffed at the idea that her And her guys would get Any of that money or any meaningful chunk Of that money mm-hmm. and when we look at Them recently popping up on like the front Page of the Daily Record like And r- finally starting To get a, a bit more sort of widespread Recognition of the quality of work that The day for me they should be Like so far Near the top of that list that it's not even funny uh-huh. So I, I don't know if there's still concerns there I don't know where the money's went in the last year um, but 1400 people is avoidable and like last year when these figures came in, what annoyed me the most is that we're in the middle of a public health crisis you know what I mean like the pandemic has been item number one on every sort of government, every council, every authority's list for nearly two years now mm-hmm. so to let the ball drop on what as a public health issue elsewhere is just fucking scandalous um, and on the flip side I know that people are going to go you know the Douglas Rosses and whatever the fuck um, are going to try and capitalise on it they're being very smart in the sense that they are not saying SNP bad explicitly they're framing their criticism in very empathetic language um, but It has drawn attention to the fact that the Scottish government has failed on this repeatedly. Ah, And it is repeatedly because as much as we talk about 2019, 2020 and 2021 seem to be like the big ones that have caused the headlines. Like the SNP government have been failing on this issue for seven years. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I think
0: that I need to bear that in mind, you know, and and really, I think that... uh, after like what I said earlier, and let's be honest with you, they only started
1: giving a fuck because they thought it was going to hurt them in the build-up well, to an election.
0: Absolutely, I think that there is a side of me that you know, and I just had a quick Google there, and it's like you know, public health spending in the UK in real terms has been cut thirteen percent since twenty ten. Yep, that's how mm-hmm. that that isn't anything that the way the no matter what any who's in charge, um, Labour or otherwise. Um, They've got no say on that, zero yeah. fucking impact on that, and anybody that says that, well, they can make that decision. It's like, well, they need to take it away for somewhere else, right? Yes. If the the UK it's government a managed has, the coin, yeah, absolutely. And if anybody in England was to point that out, you will like drug deaths are going up. Uh, government spendings went down, 13% in real terms. That mm. means that it's probably trapped dramatically High more billions. than that. Or statistically, they'll be able to tell you that they've increased it, yeah. but we're talking about in real terms. Um, That would be valid, but if we date in Scotland, it would be like, oh, well, you're deflecting away. I think I, w- I would say that exactly, I would echo exactly what you said. The SNP government have repeatedly failed on this. It's not good enough for the government to wait for reports to make the media for them to put their spotlight on stuff like drug addiction in a I country mean. that has a historical drug problem, drunk and drink I mean, problem,
1: you know. Dude, I was um, seeing the last week of my previous job, I, as I said before, I worked very close to Central Station um, as in some senses, you know, the sort of centre of, of the town, um, you know, kind of in that there, between there and George Square is, is about as central Glasgow as, as it gets. Um, I was having a cigarette break, like, random Tuesday, Wednesday afternoon, whenever it was, and I was, aye, you know, whatever, 30, 40, 50 feet for a policeman, you know, like, round the corner and across the street or whatever it is, like, it's a police, uh, quite a heavily policed area, and just sat on the street, there's a woman just buzzing gas out a can. Now, you know, I'm not saying the measures there should be punitive, you know what I mean, I'm not saying, like, arrest or whatever it is, but when we have police, we have traffic wardens, we have these people who walk about the town and, you know, hit you with fines for dropping cigarettes or spitting out chewing gum or whatever it is, but then there's walking past people who are clearly in need of some sort of assistance and support, uh-huh. but you know, it's not just the SNP, there's like levels to this, and like at all levels we need to do better, um, but that improvement needs to be led by somewhere and, and and for me it is up to the government to leave that For sure, challenge. and
0: I think that the, the encouraging thing for people in Scotland is, is that finally we're hearing the government talk about things like, you know, like um assisted sort of uh, uh, w- DRDs w- w- What would you call that, drug um uh, So there's safe consumption rooms? Safe consumption rooms aye, that's what I was looking for and I think that that's a positive step in the right direction for me, but again what comes out of England as we're no behind that. Yeah. And see if you look at some of the see if you look at some of the commentary on it, it's been absolutely fucking horrific. I mean, I have seen a guy, um, we blue tick, you know, guardian, you're like, right, no name his name, being like, why would the answer to drug deaths be if facilitating more drug taking? And you're like, mate, if you want to ignore the science, that's fine. Aye. But stop fucking spewing your bile everywhere. Like you don't just automatically get to have an opinion on this because you're a fucking journalist. See, you've got, a. I would say that they have got a societal um, responsibility to know the fucking science behind us, to know that these things actually reduce drug Mm taking, that regulating reduces the consumption of these illegal drugs. Illegal, because basically what we're doing is turning health anti-crime and we've spoke about this so many times i'm actually getting fucking bored of talking about it really but knowing <laughs> that in the sense that i would ever get sick about um shining a light on people's problems because mm-hmm. that's really like what we are here today is like to try and help get these issues out and, and people aware of them but just to the fact that we have this same fucking conversation air and air again about like Aye. when are we going to be able to take this sort of like real action that's going to reduce
1: it minimises um, it as well because it becomes like that calendar events where we go, you know, if you're active on social media, which I don't think either of the two have been very much recently and it's maybe why we're a bit happier. Um, <laughs> maybe. But, uh, was, uh, it, 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 the thought had occurred to me. Um But, you, you know, on social media, and it's the yearly outrage about poppies and nowhere and poppies and then it's the war on Christmas and, you know, there's this cyclical... Sort of news every year that comes ruined and causes the same bullshit that it causes every year, mm-hmm. and I think it minimizes the impact of those individual stories because people get, as you say, like desensitized to them, and um, because it's the same shit, the same talking heads talking the same nonsense on a twelve monthly basis, and every month that you know changes. Do we need pride? Do we you know, all these other fucking things that are you know every time something comes ruined. and I think the drug deaths are in serious danger of becoming that. As well, where it comes in on a yearly basis, we have were weaker outrage in the build-up to them, and we have more weaker hand wringing on social media, and the you know in the aftermath and then we move on to whatever's next on the calendar. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't actually really serve any purpose to anybody other than the government's going to come out and go, well, well, reports are going to be every six months now and instead of every 12. And you're like, fuck difference is that going to make? Like, I don't need to know what the half of your figures are. I need to know that you are taking steps that are going to actually, like, meaningfully combat this. Um, that help is obviously not going to come for the UK government because... Again, Johnson was talking to his base. You know, He was talking to that 20-odd percent of fucking pensioners who believe that, you know, yeah. we'd not even once. You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. That generation, that's, you know, that boy runs fucking demographic Absolutely, is man. the people that he's talking to there. So he doesn't give a fuck about progressive ideas. He gives a fuck about telling the people who vote for him what they want to hear so that he can go and do whatever the fuck he wants elsewhere. Uh-huh.
0: I mean, if... On that sort of point about like just sort of speaking to their base, they don't care, and like you know, they'll in one, one of the, mate, the power and are, money. They are extracting as much wealth as possible out of people to give away to their pals. And yep. anybody that wants to argue against that, come on in, Aye. sit down in front of me, like because there is absolutely zero evidence that that's not true. In fact, there's just a wave of evidence that that is true. All that they really care about is how much money can you make, and people that are dying for drug overdoses make no money, so they don't give a fuck. They cost money, exactly. Because you're having to put them through rehab and mm-hmm. whatever
1: else. I was talking to a fellow the other day, just actually up at the new office, so having a smoke, and there's a. I'm assuming a hostel. It says hotel outside it, but I'm assuming it's a hostel because I've seen folks sitting outside it who are clearly just on the front step with cans and stuff like that, pretty mm-hmm. much twenty four seven. So this fellow was sitting and he was like, "Oh, fucking state of the blah blah blah." Who was then uh, the guys sitting across the road on the stoop, way, like right, okay, sitting uh-huh. smoking and drinking at like whatever right. two in the afternoon, um, and I was like, "Aye, aye," and then he like touched on the drug test thing, and I was like. Okay, but he was coming for quite a, what felt, a kind of sort of right-wing attitude to it. And I was like, well, what, mate, this is something I actually know a wee bit about. And, like, Uh-oh. you know, this is, like, something that can actually help, even just some basic shit. Like, it was the the, the safe consumption rooms It seemed to be like, I we want to give them, like, safe spaces to shoot up. And you're like, no, we want to give them as places where they won't die. And if they happen to decide that enough is enough and they want to get out and they want to get help the ability to engage with that help is immediately there for them. Um, and he, he actually seen him, like, go, oh, right, so there's uh, an actual, like, thing behind it. You know, like, I, no, there's an absolute thing behind it. But as I say, when guys like Johnson, guys like the media and the Guardian and these types of things take these stances, these what-if, kind of, like, devil's advocate stances, what it really does is muddy the waters. Like, we talked about the other week on disinformation, you know what I mean? Like, most mm-hmm. people... Who don't do drugs or have never done drugs are probably quite puritanical about it, and it would be very easy to believe that the right thing to do is to throw somebody in a jail. You know what I mean? Like when an actual fact, you know, treating and talking to people like adults and giving them options is like a far more effective answer. But yeah it's not a vote winner, you know what I mean, it's not a vote winner for somebody like Johnson, which means it's no longer a vote winner for somebody like Starmer because he's essentially just a green him on pretty much everything half the time anyway mm-hmm. um, so uh, it's one of them where we need to start looking at electing and engaging with people who are going to make these changes oh, you know what no. I mean? I think
0: that one of the things that <coughs> came out of uh, the um, the Cisco conversation and, and I think that i thought about this quite a lot was, you know, like Natalie's attitude towards like the Portuguese model and actual like mm-hmm. regulation and, and sort of like decriminalisation and she was saying that she didn't feel like that was the answer in Scotland. Mm-hmm. And I actually felt a wee bit deflated by that. But as I thought I've thought about it since it's like Natalie's an ex drug addict. Mm-hmm. Drugs have done nothing but bring absolute terror to her life. Yeah. Why would she be an advocate for like Of course. Um <clears> but <throat> Personally, I kind of get away from it. I just cannot get away from it. Like, the. the We'll go back to the thing that I was saying earlier about America. It's it's 2016 to 2018. They had this sort of opioid crisis, and really and truly, <coughs> a lot of the deaths happened when the, the doctors took the opioids off the patients. Yeah, and they went back to and heroin and fentanyl. And they fentanyl ended up on all with the rest fentanyl thing. and heroin and killing themselves. And that is just, I mean, people could be like that circumstantial. But see, for me, that just shows you that if you are taking something where you know the amount that you're taking unless you're suicidal unless it's like death by addiction you know yeah. which absolutely happens oh, but unless it and i think that when people know what they're taking and they know the dosage i think it just I, I i i don't know i think they make better choices and i think exactly what you said there when somebody meets that bottom if they're on the streets I mean, you're talking about people, there's a woman that lives at that old Starbucks at Charing Cross and an old quilt and it's stinking and she's there's just empty gas canisters in her. That's shit that I've not seen in decades, Aye. mate. That is stuff that you're like, I remember people buzzing Tapex and glue and p- paper bags and calm time back Aye. when I was a wee boy. I've not seen that in like 20, 30 years, man. This is a level that we've not seen in a Aye. while I couldn't believe it when you I, I seen know, it the other week, man. man. The hissing was like oh, fuck I'm, that I'm noise. Li- I, I think that it's a combination of decriminalising it. Allowing people to get their drugs tested, if they are going to take it, there's mm-hmm. nothing that's going to stop them. Test it and tell them what they're taking, this might, you know, this might kill you, you might mm-hmm. know why to take this, and then give them a safe space where they get treated like an adult, and if they want help, they know where to go for it. Aye. I think there's maybe cultural barriers,
1: and as you say, I get why Natalie as a recovering addict, um, who will will largely be engaged Not just in that as abstinence. well, she'll witness a lot ah, of bad yeah, shit with her, you know. Like, I'm no all the people in about are all need heavily involved in, that, in, in abstinence as well. It's, it'll be a big part of their programmes and stuff. So it's an understandable point of view. I think it's it's hard to look at somebody like Portugal and see such a a massive sort of culture difference and be able to definitely say that somewhat decriminalisation will work here. I would hope so um, to an extent that, you know, I don't want to see people criminalised um, for using drugs, for sure. Um, but I don't know where. Oh, sorry, I don't know where we draw the line in the sand on that one. Where you know it's about the individual, or it's about aye, where we are the new in terms of sort of punitive measures and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the you know UK culture will almost certainly result in it being somewhere between where we are now and, and where they are now. Um, it's also mm. important to understand that the Portuguese, well, it's taken like 15, 20 years to see the, the sort of meaningful results of these changes. Um, so there's going to have to be a level of patience as well, because yeah. it's talked about in some ser- some circles as almost a sort of magic bullet. And it takes out the fact that there is a significant sort of cultural difference between us and Portugal, and it's taken nearly two decades. and you know, governments change, attitudes change, over two decades, and it's, sure. it's hard to, I think it's hard to like definitively say it, but we need to have something that decriminalises human beings for being addicts, because uh-huh. I it's think a medical condition. For sure,
0: mate, I think you nailed that there. Um, there. There are many different things, but this comes back to what we're talking about, and, and I think that the people that we've spoke to um, and politics that sort of like use or I feel like are using this sort of drug death thing as, as a sort of wedge know that there's nothing that could happen in a calendar year to really impact us yeah it took a fucking country that took radical changes a, a decade to see anything two mm-hmm. decades to see it properly bed in so, I think this is going to be something that comes up every year now. It There's is. going to be a report that comes out that, that talks about... And, and it, we're looking for silver bullets. We're looking for short-term things. Things that we can do that's just going to change it. That's and, not going to happen. That's no there. It's, it's no there. And, uh, we're talking about mental you health
1: know, recovery being... To be perfectly honest, an ongoing anybody process. that's
0: labour that thinks that Scottish labour are going to do it is absolutely fucking sleepwalking. Like... It's almost like what what he's talking about, like I mm. kinda got on board with us because you were in power for nearly twenty-five years in this country and done fuck all. Like and Aye. well, I suppose as I say that, people could go, Well, that's the point where between these Tories and these Tories where we made these sort of gains. Aye. But it was things like um Labour control Glasgow for eighty years and and it's things like I mean? um what? the uh the crime reduction unit these were like the big changes. These mm-hmm. were radical changes by people that were in these positions yeah. in the police force that these are the types of things that we need to do. Like we need to like look at that and go look at the type of change that they made and look at the impact that it had on knife crime in this city. Yep. Things like drug consumption, homelessness, they need radical change and mm-hmm. I just don't see it really happening. Um, and no, I don't like see neither. the SNP doing it either. So no, it's not, that's just kind of like my... The bit where I sort of go, I'm not really that smart enough to really sort of come up with these things, but I don't see the big changes that we need happening, happening anytime soon, which is quite sad. Mm -hmm. But it's also quite sad to see people think that there's a silver bullet or there's these things that we could do that would just change overnight, you know?
1: The Tory positions and stuff like that, that's, again, or even to an extent the Labour positions like... You know they're no wildly on you know different on these in terms of the SNP bad element yet. I think there are people within the Labour Party who are very good on this in Scotland. Like Monica Lennon is, you know, pretty much brilliant on everything. To be mm-hmm. honest with you, um, obviously Paul sweeney has been great on the subject sweeney. as well. He's, I think, he's causing a few issues for guys in like the SNP in this one because. Paul is extremely good at what he does. Like, whether you agree with Labour or Paul or anybody else for whatever, like, he is definitively very good at what he does. Mm -hmm. Um, And he has been ferociously banging the drum. um, And a lot of people are writing it off as, oh, you're just, you know, doing the SNP bad thing. And I I don't believe that's the case because we know Paul has been doing with Peter uh, in the safe consumption van. You know, he's. You know, done it very quietly, it became more prominent obviously as he went for re election and stuff like that. But that, this is something that I believe he does deeply, deeply care about, mm-hmm. Um just as, as Bob did as well. But aye, they need to get together and they need to fucking sort it out, yeah, because finger pointing isn't the answer. Um, but at the same time, on the other side of it, you know, the, the, the sort of Tory response has been very much like. Does the SNP have a problem with Rangers? You know, I mean, like again, we've, well. got, we've got a, we've got a, a you know, a so. branch office in Scotland using London tactics to just basically speak to their base. Like the Tories mm-hmm. are only speaking to people of a, or they hope will be of a Tory persuasion, so is that if and when you know the next independence referendum comes, they might be able to show up enough support to stop it. Like every issue in Scotland that comes out of a Tory's mouth is about the coming independence referendum. It's never about the actual issue in itself because mm-hmm. they don't give a fuck about the issues. Like, you know, it's it's laughable to think that the day when you look at their track record on all sorts of things up here. And then again this week we've got, you know, does the SNP have a problem with Rangers through Murdo, whatever the fuck, Murdo, something or other? model
0: Fraser is it? No, I can't no. even fucking remember
1: his name now. He's a fucking clown he's, and, an, uh, he's an absolute clownshoe human being. And uh I He's been spammed today with responses from people all across the SNP saying that you know during COVID Rangers got 3.2 million pounds worth of government money Aye. like significant, something like 80,000 pounds more than any, any other, other club. club.
0: But The timing couldn't have been worse because literally, like two days mm. after this absolute fucking jokey politician was in the newspaper writing an article about, and basically, what they're saying is because. In England, I've seen quite a lot of people talk about how Rangers are the quintessential Brit- quintessential British club. So what they're saying is, the do the SNP well, yeah? have a problem with Britishness? I of course they do, The Scottish I've got a National fucking, Party. I've got a problem with Britishness. Aye. Like, do, do you want to come in and debate about like the track record of Britain and how you've revised history? It seemed like somehow, well, the eternal good guys spreading the love around the planet. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's, it's a joke. Yeah. Your culture's a bit of a fucking joke in the way that you are and back to these bygone days of. Propaganda really no, didn't
1: even uh, exist, these days didn't even exist.
0: But the timing couldn't have been exactly the timing couldn't have been worse because he's in writing articles. And then, like, two days later, the British and Scottish government released these reports about the loans that they gave to the football clubs, and Rangers get the biggest loan. So, it's like, do they have a problem with Rangers? No, do they have a problem with Britishness? Aye, and it's kind of in their fucking name, you no. know what no. I mean? It's like, it's pure Ron Seal. Does that mean that they are anti English? No. no. Like it's, it's I, I I've got a, I've got a big issue with British nationalism, and I've got a big issue with Britishness, and and what and and what I mean by that is the bulldog culture, mm. the Union Jack, the you know the the uh, colonialism, riding, riding your way into Wembley
1: for a cup final.
0: These types of things, like I don't agree with them, I don't subscribe to them. I've done my own reading and and talking to people and sort of. Don't buy into it. Don't buy into it. One, they don't need me to buy need, into it. Uh, they don't need you. To I, I them, listen like, to them. that's what that sort of message is about. This is all sort of double doublespeak and by rangers. I seen it as sort of Britishness, and then that's what I'm saying, you
1: can substitute in drug deaths, rangers, whatever. Like, it's mm. the same stick. It's them talking to people that they want to agitate and make angry enough to vote for them, and it's no about any individual, you can take, take fucking any issue that's come out of Tory's mouth in Scotland in the last whatever, mm-hmm. let's say forever, and it's nonsense about protecting the status quo. Absolutely, you know I mean? like, absolutely. And um, so the- it's a bit disingenuous to listen to anything they've got to say on these drug deaths and stuff like that. Labour, there are people I'm seriously inclined to listen to. Um, I just wish that those people could get with the guys in the SNP who actually want to make something happen and actually make something happen. We know the Greens are in on this. They want, you know, they've already got that majority, quote-unquote, but I think it would send a, a message to everybody that we can get stuff done in Scotland because the Greens, SNP and Labour pulling together to actually, like, enact landmark legislation that actually protects and saves the lives of people that, you know, puts their dignity at the forefront of like how they're treated by society would be a win for everybody in the same way that like period poverty or marriage equality was a win for everybody you know mm-hmm. what I mean like, it's there they just like it's pure open goal like, like listen to the experts listen to the people with the lived experience and then go and fucking make it happen you know mm-hmm. what I mean like, just, Absolutely, just get it done Absolutely. you know what I
0: mean I mean we're going to need to pick my, my subjects now because um we're, 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 <laughs> we're approaching the hour but I think one of the huge, so there, there's two, so um, there's the sort of COVID anti-vax protests that we've seen a couple of weeks ago in London. I mean, it was across the UK. Yeah. Just getting ignored by the media and, and the sort of, what that what message that sends to people. I mean, we've spoke quite a lot about the anti-vax thing. I think the sort of James, uh, is it Meville or whatever the guy's name is, mm-hmm. and, and seeing a lot of the sort of- this Is this the kind that was in the fictional butchers? uh-huh but right. seeing a lot of the sort of anti-Brexit pro-EU lefty people sort of slide to the right it, it's almost like you're standing in front of Katie Hopkins and applauding like I found it unbelievable absolutely un-fucking so that believable. all believeable involved in the anti-vax stuff oh yeah I mean did you not see the protests no I, a, a I've week, seen a week the thing on tr- I've seen
1: the the Footage doing the rounds of the nurse, the or the sacked, the, the rightfully sacked nurse, who is this teeth and tits anti-vaxxer? She mm-hmm. was talking at the steps of Trafalgar Square, uh, and mm-hmm. even her own son was like pure, like I'm basically disowning you. Um, because you know she's taking this moment of celebrity and whatever you know tried to run with it i think that's all they're doing like, i don't know that any of these anti-vaxxers you know particularly the ones with the blue ticks and the audiences and stuff like that don't know that they necessarily believe what they're saying just think that you know your hopkinses and these types of things have just found another issue that they can promote themselves off the back of um, again they don't need mm-hmm. they're not trying to speak to everybody they're going here are five percent of the population that believe this bullshit uh, like how can i monetize that how can i improve I my that profile that is off the back here
0: absolutely fucking true for the ones that are you know like the pierce uh corbyns and um katie hopkins was there and spoke tommy robinson was there like they were all there like right. so basically your fear of this vaccine and the fear that's been created in the hearts and minds of people over the course of the last eighteen months with COVID is now driving people that were like progressives towards the right. To, but then, but now that you know he's come out gone. I didn't realize and blah blah blah. And it's like, well, this is what's no, you happening. Just get out on this it. is what's happening, and you're not awake to what the fuck is going on. Like I seen that. It's I a seen. That, we
1: really should have learned because well, the far I, right. Weaponizes and uses societal instability to promote itself historically oh, mate, through this it all is just time. the British <laughs> you know version that? of
0: QAnon. Like, this is basically what's happening. Like, they've managed to penetrate the middle class. Aye. And now the middle class are going, we should get back to normal and it's all just a fear-based thing, right? But what I was going to say something there. Um, and I can't remember what I, what I was going to say. Yeah, Sorry. so there, there is... The people that are grifting and the people that are sort of like seeing their opportunity to make money. And if mm-hmm. people are like, Well, what opportunity is there? Well, all these people have GoFundMes and shit. Like oh, you fuck know, aye. like do you look at look at G B News basically? Mm-hmm. You know, like people that are being sacked and let go by progressive sort of media and sort of going, hmm, and they're moving into this sort of channel of like Great Britain news and it's yeah. like basically the right wing, have creating their own media. But ah, yeah. I think I read a, I read an amazing sort of study and it was on basically willful ignorance and what the guy had said in this... Um, I can't remember what the actual wording was that he had, that he had used. I'll try and um, see if I can find the actual uh, thing that I read. Um, motivated Ignorance, he called okay. it. Okay. Where he was saying that the cost of proper information sort of basically outweighs staying ignorant then a human will go doing this sort of way of finding out research that basically confirmation bias Aye. but they do it in a way that's like not willful but like subconscious and it's when they start to go and that's why all the pts went to it Because all their businesses stopped overnight. Why do you think that there's very few nurses and medical staff that are coming out and going, COVID's no real. And a load of PTs. Now, you could go down the road that a lot of people that I've seen, day and go, well, PTs are just idiots. And it's the the low IQ of your average PT. I don't think that's true at all. I think what happens is, is that, and we've seen it with Donald when he came in and spoke to us when it impacts you in a way that means that you can't feed your family, I mean, you were talking earlier about just taking care of the basics and, and feeding the family, then you will seek out subconsciously the information that pushes you towards sort of going against it. And I, see, when I was reading through it, I was just like, this is so true. Mm. Don't think I've seen very many people that haven't been hit in the pocket come out and go, I don't believe in COVID. It's all taxi drivers, PTs, yeah. people like yoga, people like yoga like um, all these things that require face-to-face. Aye, definitely. I have not seen one qualified mental health therapist come out and talk about it in the same way. Not not anybody credible anyway. And I've not seen anybody that kind of has been able to just go on with their life, or very few. Aye. And I think that for people out there that are sort of like anti-Covid, and I'm sure that they've probably stopped listening to us long ago, but um, if they are listening to it, DM me and I'll send you this article because Mm -hmm. it's basically like you are not aware that this is happening and you basically lack this self-awareness to actually realise that you are making these fear-based emotional responses to something that requires logic and pragmatism because the thing that I had seen, and it is scary when you see it, Mm. there was a report that came out the w- the week of the protests, and and I can't remember who it was that spoke about it. It might have been Piers Corbyn, and it might have been Katie Hopkins, but basically they were saying that the British government have put this uh, article, uh, this report out saying that 1.4 million people have had adverse side effects to the vaccine. Okay. And for somebody that is scared, that's all they need to know. Uh, 1.4 million is a huge number if you're sitting there 2,000 2, people have died. And it's what are we classifying as adverse? So um, hospitalizations, right? Okay. Right? <clears throat> but if you just do a simple Google search to go, how many vaccines have been administered in the UK? Eighty-five million. You're like, right? So it's under one percent that are having adverse, and zero point zero three percent of people who have died in the week after. Yeah, it's kind of like. No offense. And I'm no downplaying people being in hospital or people dying, especially when it's in the thousands. Yeah. But that is like um what you would call collateral damage. Maybe or Aye, there's like, probably a better statistical term to
1: use, but I don't know. <laughs> but, but because
0: but it's see when the chance of death of something is zero point zero zero three percent, it's almost non existent yeah. in a statistical sense. Yeah. That's where people are being sort of um, pulled in the wrong direction when they don't get the full picture. And if if I was going to say, if somebody was like, well, what do you do about this? It's like, do some more reading that isn't just the British Medical Journal, mm-hmm. that isn't just the Daily Mail. Stop. You. Like, I had seen a thing the other day getting, ser- getting shared by somebody where it was talking about how, there was a study done in kids that showed that if you move people from Coca-Cola to Diet Coke, it has no impact on their weight. Okay. it's That's bullshit. Like, just purely... On a physics level, thermodynamics, calories in, calories Aye, out. Like, say, like the what what is the circumstances run about that? If you take in something that's got 500 calories per 500 milliliters and you drink two litres of that a day, 2,000 calories, and then you drink something that's got zero calories, you're not going to stay the same weight. Mm-hmm. So it's circumstantial. Like mm-hmm. what, what what happened in these test groups? Did they start as their consumption of diet coconut to eat more food? And blah, blah, blah. And it was just a guy on a podcast. And it took me two seconds in Google to show what happened in that and to show the studies. And you're like, it was like done over five people. They were all pure, massively clinically obese. They didn't actually measure their calories going into their body. So you're kind of like, right, just listening to sound bites. It's pure trash. trash. And you're listening to these sound bites mm-hmm. being put out there by people that do know what they're talking about to a certain extent and can speak very well about it, but you're sharing this information with them. And that's what my advice to people would be. Go one step underneath what you're listening to and what you're reading mm-hmm. go and cross-examine it with multiple different studies and then come to your conclusion yeah because statistics and percentages and numbers can just be used all you need to do is either add a percentage to make it look better or worse or take it out so that you can see the Aye. actual context behind what, what people are sharing man it's so. it's almost like what we were talking about we and disinformation is is that we are now required to be able to analyse data, yeah, and people that have never analysed data are coming out and trying to tell you that they have came to these conclusions yeah. based on the data that they have seen. I don't I've have,
1: get, the, don't even know like GCSE maths and like here as well. here is what that global, I, even, global health. Data even people is. that have got what?
0: degrees in these things are starting to get sort of caught up in it. Definitely. and I've get, I've, I mean, luckily we've got a common friend that's a physicist. And a, and a guy that I respect and high, hugely intelligent. And whenever I see these things that sort of pique my my interest in the statistics, I send it to him, and every single time he just comes back to me and goes, "They've done the maths right wrong, <laughs> mate. Here's what they should have done. Here's the here's they've come up with this number and percentages." They've done it wrong, and here's the bit where they've done it wrong. And you're I know kind the going man you're up. talking about, that's but fantastic. I find it
1: quite funny that you've got a—you're the only person I know with like an on-call mathematician.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we need them. Maybe that's where
1: <laughs> we're going. Maybe this is <laughs> I, Maybe. I we should all—it should start his in we side hustle. with like yeah, absolutely. Mathematician for hire. will
0: we—well, we wrap up on uh, uh, billionaires got a space. Let's let's have a I, chat. Let's 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 have a talk about this because uh, I think it's it's one of the the things that.
1: Oh,
0: that wasn't meant to happen. It's one of the <laughs> it's it's um it's one of the things, oh fuck it. It's one of the things that I think has been um used people have been in a test. Yeah, it people have been talking a lot about it and I think there's a couple of things that are happening. One, I think that it's a, it's been a nice distraction for a lot of, you know, like even the daily record for yep. being like lauding it, you know, like Aye. look at this amazing achievement by and then the 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 Jeff Bezos sort of like you know anybody that works for Amazon or has bought anything for Amazon you've basically paid, you've for, paid, this. paid for this. Aye, aye, like,
1: I spat at my telly.
0: but in a in a positive way. Aye, you he know? meant
1: it. He meant it in a positive way, but uh-huh. that is not how I took it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know I mean? Absolutely, like, but
0: I think like the, a couple of things come up for me. You know, like um as much as it is kind of a wild generalisation, the fortune, the the money that is in the billionaire category in the UK. Well, and I suppose Branson comes into this and mm. in, in a certain respect. I don't know if he's been counted because he does na- certainly doesn't na- pay any fucking tax in this country. Never oh mind living it. But has went up by 32% since the start of COVID. Oh, and the use of food banks has been up 36%. And people could be like, you're drawing conclusions. But, but I think that there's, there's definitely a connection. And I think this is why it gets so much attention. But also... So I don't know about connection, but a a definite and obvious disparity. Absolutely. I think that we can say that as people have been spending money and been in the house and Amazon and these things have become more popular, obviously the fortunes of these people have gone up. But I think that we spoke about this way back. Any government worth its salt is going to tax these people and use it as like a sort of COVID tax. If Mm -hmm. you've made... Year on year, if your business has made over, say a twenty percent uplift or whatever, you need to pay an extra sort of tax code or whatever, mm. not only beyond that that profit that's twenty percent above whatever you made the year on your profits. Yeah. I'm an idiot and I and, and I think that's kind of a sort of common sense approach. But the thing that I wanted to talk about is that source's comments just shows you how disconnected these fucking idiots are from real life. Uh-huh. Like these guys are not I'm not sure Elon Musk was ever
1: considered himself connected to but real life, but Russell aye, Branson aye. is
0: kind of like held up as an example of rags to riches, oh, which definitely. in itself if we go back to the sort of Britishness thing was nonsense, he was privately educated mm-hmm. I mean he was in a cricket club at like 6 year old, like he came he didn't come from nothing he was dyslexic and he was written off and he yeah. overcame di- diversity he also started with a magazine and ended up a billionaire all these things are true but this guy was absolutely came for a privileged position mm-hmm. but the idea that these guys are sitting about and getting fed food bank statistics and are getting fed covid death stat- statistics and or being told by advisors, you know, listen, maybe you should take some of your fortune and, and give it back. Is wild to me. These guys are so like entrapped in a bubble. Yeah. They make so much money for people that are run about them that nobody run about them is going to criticize them. Nobody run about them's going to go, Sir Richard, wait a minute. Like Aye. maybe we should hold off for a year. This is basically <clears throat> what we're seeing here is the world of a billionaire. These guys are in a frantic race to get to the moon. Yeah, like it's almost like the US and the the USSR in the sixties using this sort of distraction of the space race as a way to sort of militarize these things, and that was their intention. But see, now what we're seeing is literally like we boys with fucking their wee dicks in their hands going, I want to be the first to get there. Aye. All the while, people are like starving to death in the countries that they fucking live in. And with you. you know what I mean? But aye. I think probably, for me, the comparison is more
1: with, um, guys like Rockefeller and Carnegie uh-huh. and, mm. um, you know, the guys that sort of quote-unquote built America. Um, these guys started out as... And oil and rails and and railways and you know and uh, electricity and these types of things. But by the end of their time, they were and you know had overtaken their competition to an extent that they were massive conglomerates in themselves. Uh-huh. And then essentially decided that they were going to drive each other into the sea. Uh, the end result being they lost you know what would have been the modern equivalent of you know billions, uh, hundreds of billions in some cases. Um, and you know the the end result was that they had to basically sort of make peace with each other. And after that, they went into philanthropy in a really big way. Mm-hmm. And, and and it was one upmanship again. So it was you know like Carnegie Hall and these places, um, you know, uh, they opened libraries and libraries, libraries all around the world, mm-hmm. um, like public service and, yeah, things, definitely. Um, and then you know the Rockefeller, you know, Thirty Rock and these places. Um, so they even in you know sort of billionaire retirement were trying to outdo each other on the philanthropy front, so they were still in direct sort of competition with each other. And I think at the time, a lot of people would have probably looked at that sort of three-way kind of, like, battle between these guys for sort of dominance in American business in very kind of similar terms to Bezos and, you know, Musk and all these other things. And I think, I I get it, like, Richard Branson and Jeff Bezos in space is a fucking ridiculous idea because... What what does science gain by shooting old, rich, white men into space? Like, I don't know. But Uh like way Rockefeller and Carnegie and these types of guys back then, the way they drove their societies forward in the aftermath of their actions was absolutely outrageous. Like, modern-day America exists Uh in the form that it's in just now, including, like, more ways. More I. Henry Ford br- brought in the fucking five-day, 40 hour week. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like, things like a living wage and, like, you know, these guys, like, their legacy from their selfish desire to be number one and to be the first in that pissing contest, like, drove their country forward light years. You know what I mean? Like, so there is an argument to say that, you know, maybe it be Musk and these other guys that are, yeah, it's sort of boys with toys now. But there they're, they're may, down the line, be some really massive leap forward off the back of it, in a similar sense to what we're talking about with these, you know, predecessors I don't see it, I don't know what it's going to be uh-huh. but the potential for like things like commercial space flight and all the rest of it, I don't really see the point unless there's somewhere to go like, do I want to pay 28 million quid to go a lap around the earth? No would I like to have been the guy who's da paid 28 million quid for me going to a go lap around the earth? Probably you know I mean? <laughs> aye, 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 aye. but again, I don't see I don't see the scientific or societal benefit to it just now uh-huh. um it is at this moment in time boys with toys, but there are other examples where boys with toys inadvertently actually drove us forward massively for
0: sure, I think the difference that I would probably I, I, that can really only come up for me in in that regard is is that people like Carnegie and Rockefeller they lived in New York, so they were watching the city almost like collapse run about them and that was mm-hmm. why I think was part of the motivation for them to try and help rebuild it. Richard Branson stays in a fucking island in the middle of the sea. Like Aye. he's got absolutely I think that the way that these that the structures run about them are, are created is to to remove them for these issues because I I've got this faith in humanity that if somebody like Branson who speaks very well and talks about like the things that he wants to achieve and the things that he has achieved in mm-hmm. his life, he would probably want to do something about some of the issues that people are faced if he could. I don't think they even know that it exists. Like Aye. the whole disconnect how much is it for a for a pint of milk when he get asked like nearly ten years ago in Piers Morgan's and he's like eighty quid. So like you've got no idea of real life, like absolutely zero. I think that the distaste in people is this whole... The way that it's been sort of like... I don't know. It kind of feels like it's been dangled in front of them. And it's not been purposefully done. This Aye. way they think that they're achieving so much. They've achieved fuck all. Aye. Like, we went to space nearly fucking 50 years ago. Like, you're not doing it in mm-hmm. radical. <laughs> Aye. Like, you look like a fucking idiot in your jumpsuit. Yeah. And pe- real normal people are actually really fucking angry at this like. Aye. but they again with the comments and the way that it's been done and the pressuring about it I think it's been fed back to them like it's been overall positive response to this <laughs> like, don't do a I, mean, I don't think it, they, they don't care, they don't know nah, they maybe. don't know, you know what I mean Um, but the worry for me is, is that apart from Musk who I think will probably live in LA um, and I'm pretty sure because mm. the reason I say that is, is that they did he not try and get planning permission to bore a personalised tunnel to take him through the valley hyperlinks or something, and, like that. and you had to pay a certain amount of money to use it. it was basically a way for him to bypass traffic. You mm-hmm. know, I'll give you a, a billion to bypass bypass traffic every day. Absolutely, no, that would be a great thing, I think. But it comes through this sort of selfish standpoint of he Aye. wants to get to this point to this point. How much you're going to need to pay? You know, and we end up in, in these, the, the, the sort of conversations about um, two-tier societies or multi-tier societies. So that's the thing
1: that, that is the one thing that, outside the, you know, chat at Carnegie's and Rockefeller's and stuff like that. You know, we were talking the other week about um, where technology's gone and stuff like that, and there's this... Uh, thing altered carbon and it's that very uh-huh. like futuristic dystopian thing where the rich can afford to live forever because they have digitized human consciousness and can basically back themselves up um but that's like literally a society of people that live above the clouds and like skyscrapers that literally go into space and all the rest of it and you know you when you've lived 300 years you've accumulated all this wealth and it's got mer and mer and you're just insanely rich to the point where, you know, you make your own rules and you live in your own reality. And I think that is maybe potentially where guys like Musk and Bezos and all that are going, because between them they could eradicate world hunger and not even touch the sides of the money they've got. You know what I mean? Like they could vaccinate against malaria or any of these other things like Bill Gates has tried today. And it's a drop in the ocean. I mean, Bezos' ex
0: is... she was She's the richest female on the planet based on a divorce, but she's
1: also given away more money than any woman in history so I think after our settlement of like 68 billion dollars like she's donated something like 25 billion it just like take it go and make a difference in the world you know what I mean like so like how much is enough like is you know two billion enough to live and set up your family generation and uh, you know nine can you buy a nice house can you uh-huh. do you need 70 billion do you need a 100 billion do you need 300 billion like what you doing mate? where's it you, you know unless you're actually planning on fucking living forever like which nobody is going to what do what are you doing mate? Do, do you do you need to like regiment people's you know fucking toilet breaks to the second for efficiency do you like is that going to is that going to impact your 78 billion you, wealth yeah. you know what i mean do you like, think
0: that we need to stop a certain amount of money. Like I've had many conversations with people about wage, no wage, but like wealth caps. People can of live with that because and the wealth caps. It's cap aspirational. That, well, like I think that the wealth cap. Look, you're not going to become a billionaire. No, I know. See so if you're not already a millionaire. Mm-hmm. See so if you're not born a millionaire. You're not going to become a billionaire. No. Bezos, like The idea that Musk made it for fuck all is a lie. Aye. He's, he's, his grandpa owned a fucking jewel mine in South Africa. <laughs> and Jeff Bezos came for a, a, a place of money as well. So mm-hmm. if you, the, the statistics are you're not going to get there. So that whole aspirational thing is a lie. I know. So anybody that argues that is lying to themselves. Yeah. So let's just say we go $2 billion. That's the most that any human being can have. And then after that, it will be taxed away for them. Mm. What are the arguments against that other than that? Why? Because that, I would say that that's probably been thought up by somebody that's rich that doesn't want to give away and thinks or that somebody that thinks, imagine... well, if I, if I became a billionaire, I wouldn't want nobody has got any idea and I don't even think guys like Bezos and Musk have got any idea in a relative way how much a billion mm. pounds is. Like <laughs> it, it's, it's so much money that, like you said, these no even these three. One of these guys could eradicate world hunger, could feed, clothe, and house every human being on the planet, and still be one of the richest people on the, on the earth. So, where do we where do we draw the line? It's, it's, it's a tough one. I mean. Can, uh, you know when we can't
1: wear masks without adults throwing tantrums? Can you imagine the tantrums would get if somebody said to you, "The government is now going to limit how much money you can make in your lifetime"? Like I just, as much as the aspirational thing is nonsensical, like statistically, it's aye, unlikely in the extreme that it's ever going to happen. But we all like ourselves, you know what I mean? Like, it's, well, of course, it's of one course. of the ones where I i'd like to see proper taxation i think that's where we start is actually saying right well i'm paying whatever the fuck it is like Thirty-three pence on the pound, or whatever it is in tax, or you know, nine nine branches, insurance, and and pain zero. Aye, like it's paying so is, fuck, fuck all. Aye, so fair and like equal taxation, like is probably and going this. Oh well, I make more, so I should pay less because I still contribute more. And you're like, fuck you. Well, let's just put a number. Yeah. Let's just say it's thirty-five percent for everybody. I, I held a call on where you know, I mean? like, for the
0: guy that's the the. I don't know what position he is, but basically it was a, he was the top dog at Vodafone before Vodafone made their, you know, their very rich deal with Osborne to settle a six a sixty no, sorry, an eighty million pound tax bill for six million. Aye. So that's a discount that nobody gets, you know. Like, aye. If if under, I just stop like,
1: paying my tax and walk into the tax office and I'm like, I'm looking for like seventy-five percent off of this.
0: This That'd is like here's jail. Aye, exactly. You know I mean, you, well, aye, exactly. But his sort of thing was that, well we pay this amount because we employ. And this is another lie. as the employees then pay I, the tax. Not, their <laughs> labor, you're making profit off of their labour and their labour gets taxed. You don't pay it. And this is the problem, is, is that these arseholes think that they're paying it. It's like personal and it's like it's not mate. No. Like There's a government that prints that money. There's a guy that works to make that money and then he buys shit. There's a whole set of circumstances that need to exist for you like ecosystem to be wealthy Aye. and the problem is is that I feel like we're edging closer and closer to the fucking guillotine with them that there is an appetite within the western world and we've seen it with them storming the capital and I think we've kind of seen it with the, the Covid, like the anti-vax and people mm. rejecting these health messages that are coming out to go this is to stop, What's about what I think is going to happen is, is that they're going to isolate themselves so much that people are just going to end up attacking them. They're not going to be able to go out in public. They probably already can, to be perfectly honest. perfect, no, I can imagine I think all. that the, if... That I suppose we, that I listened to a guy called Alan Watts the other week and it was like an hour-long lecture that he did and he was one of these guys that was a university lecturer at one of the big colleges in America during the 60s and, and get fucking hero-dosed with LSD and started going about, gone here, you should take this drug, <laughs> along with like Hancock and all these sorts of Aye. radicals at the time. And This sentence has just stayed with me. And he said that, if only human beings would realise that if they found a balance, they could have it all. And that's what I would love them to hear, is that the balance has tipped. Mm-hmm. And you are the only people that can put it right because the people that you're putting in these positions of power are working for you and they're not going to tap it. Your influence is... You've got it all. If it keeps going the way that it's going... You're not going to have anything the same as everybody. I think that the climate is about to erupt on us. Like, look at Turkey, look at LA, look at oh. Australia, look at the weather that we're getting here, and the floods that we've seen in England the last yep. couple of weeks. I think that these people don't realise that they're human, and it's like the whole thing. You know, there's only two things that are certain in life: death and taxes. And I think that they think because they've skipped the taxes that they're going to be able to skip the death, and it's like it's not going to happen <laughs> for you, man. But I thought, but that, but, that's but anyway, I, that that sort of quote for that guy is that he was basically talking about balance and he was talking about humans have got this more, this appetite for more, but what the, the one thing that you can do for yourself is actually be aware of when you've got too much because, it, and that was his quote was that if they only woke up till like, it, if they found balance that they could have it all, mm-hmm. but it's when the balance tips in the wrong right direction that hurt starts to happen and pain starts to happen. And I think that's what we're witnessing, you know?
1: Aye, I, I mean... I think this is probably the other indicator of how much better I'm feeling is that probably a couple weeks ago, if you'd floated the notion of, like, worldwide revolution, I'd have probably been up for it. Um, But aye. There is elements to which there's always, like, uncertainty and sort of discomfort in, you know, certain populations. It's just right now we happen to be feeling it. Um, Aye. I I, I don't know, man. Let's say... Tax them the same as they tax everybody else. Like, if they're going up into space, make sure it's for, like, scientific purposes, not just a fucking jolly. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they'd probably find themselves a lot better received. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But aye. The the obscene amount of wealth, it's, like, deal with some actual shit first before you start playing with your toys. You know what I mean? Uh Look to the examples. I mean... Carnegie, rockefeller these guys were horrible bastards i mean like honestly mm-hmm. like rockefeller one of the you know held up in one of the highest regards in american history was an rip roaring thunder kind of a human being so he was like universally hated but like history remembers these guys fondly because the end result of their being absolute bastards was that society moved forward in spite of them or and because of them and in spite of them and i think if they want to be seen in a modern day setting in a, in a better light, they need to start thinking along those kind of lines. Is that I, this is all ultimately for the greater good of me and the promotion of me and my interests. But if I actually like use this just pornographic level of wealth to actually help people, then you know, maybe I'll get an easier ride. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, but the ride's pretty easy as it is. Absolutely. You know what I mean? like, absolutely. Well, we're up, Belmet. I think so. Aye, man. That was good. Enjoyed it. Enjoyed it myself. Yeah. Good to be back.